It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I have cycling thighs. Like I found something my thighs can do and they can ride bikes really great. If you ask me like what my thighs can do, do you think I'm going to be like, oh, they can, they can have sex with you. Dudes are so dumb. I, lady, Hey y'all, we're back for another episode of Unladylike, the podcast that finds out what happens when women break the rules. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. And Caroline, how you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm ready to get saucy. Okay, are you ready to answer some questions? Oh yeah, like always. Exactly, because every week, what we do here at Unladylike is we try to answer a question about why our experiences as women in the world are what they are. And hopefully offer some advice on how to deal with that. And this week, the question that we're diving into is inspired by listener Allie, who wrote to us about something pretty straightforward and simple, riding a bike. I know how to do that. Yes, I do too. Although I was using training wheels for a long time. We won't get into that hey, this no, time. Hey, no shade, no shade. So anyway, Kristen, will you do me the honor of reading Allie's email? Allie writes... I've been riding my bike to work, which is a pretty long and aggressive ride, and not a day goes by that people talk to me, comment to me, blatantly stare at me, yell, ring your bell, and the sort. I've been really aware of the fact that when you're not in the shield of your car, people specifically men, feel an irresistible desire to talk to you. I could elaborate more, but wanted to plant that seed if Unladylike wants to investigate. And of course we want to do. Yeah. Because when we talk about street harassment and catcalling, it's usually in the context of stuff we encounter on foot, not on two wheels. So this is some interesting territory, especially when you think about how suffragists saw bikes as unequivocally liberating for women. For instance, uh, one notorious suffragist you might have heard of, old Susan B. Anthony. Oh, problematic Suze. <laughs> you know, she and, and many of her fellow suffragists were all about that bike back at the turn of the 20th century. Uh, and here's a quote from Suze on this very idea. Let me tell you what I think of bicycling. I think it has done more to emancipate women than anything else in the world. I stand and rejoice every time I see a woman ride by on a wheel. It gives women a feeling of freedom and self-reliance. It makes her feel as if she were independent. The picture of free, untrammeled womanhood. 
clearly free, untrammeled womanhood is not what Allie is experiencing on her bicycle. So today, we're putting on our helmets, turning on our headlights, and pedaling into this investigation, asking, What happened to Susan B.'s emancipated bicycling lady? Why are we getting objectified when we're on our bikes? And what can we do about it? And to answer those questions, Caroline, we're going to talk to a rad cyclist who's had some firsthand experiences with the ups and downs of riding a bike while female. And we're going to go back in time to find out what the heck is up with this sexism in everyone's favorite segment, Unpack the Claptrap. Let's ride! So let's meet our bicycling star witness. She's part of one of the most badass, rule-breaking communities out there. Bike messengers. Her name is Kelsey Phillips, and like listener Allie, Kelsey too has noticed how being a woman on a bike attracts a particular kind of unwanted attention. It's not like, hey, you're hot. It's like, hey, you're a bitch. Or it's, you know, it's like you're doing something that's considered masculine and now I'm mad at you and I want to like, I want to demean you and make you feel small. It's a lot more violent, like more threatening when I'm on a bike. But the thing is, Being on a bike is also where Kelsey's happiest. I mean, and it's been that way since she was a kid. My mom taught me to ride a bike, actually, which is like the coolest thing. We'd ride bikes all the time together. We still ride bikes now together, which is really cool. You know, I I grew up breaking my arm like every year since I was seven. Like that's an actual like statistic. (laughs) And, (laughs) And I still break bones like at least once a year now. Once she got to college, Kelsey became kind of addicted to how independent riding her bike allowed her to be. She didn't have to wait on the bus anymore. She could get around however she wanted to. I mean, she really didn't have to rely on anyone besides herself. That sounds amazing and also, like, super efficient. <laughs> yeah. And and this is Kelsey's life for a while, just enjoying the freedom of riding her bike. But then... Something happens that gives her a glimpse into a biking future that she didn't even know was possible. And at this time, she's a Ph.D. student. She's studying at Northwestern. And one day, when she's riding home from campus, it's winter, the path is icy, and she crashes into someone who happened to be her professor. We started talking, and the more we talked as we were riding, she was like, show up to this park next Sunday. It's a bike race. You should race bikes. Caroline, that moment of Kelsey and her professor is the feminist rom-com meet-cute of my dreams. Well, I just started laughing because the way that Kelsey describes it, because she's got that like low, deep voice and she she can sound like so deadpan. I'm just imagining this moment. I'm sure it was not like this, but this professor just being like, show up, just do this. And Kelsey being like, I will. (laughs) And she did. It was my first bike race ever. And it was like the most fun I've ever had. I like raced a bike, like totally blind. I had no idea what I was doing. And from like that moment, it was like, well, that's my life now. Like seeing all of the women racing with their beautiful bikes and like they're totally badass just getting to the line and like getting muddy and racing totally separate from any dudes there. Like they had nothing to do with it. And that kind of made me be like, okay, like I can take a hold of my own. God, the thing that said my brain said was bike destiny, which is so embarrassing, but I'm going to say it. It made (laughs) me take control of my bike destiny. 
So not long after this, Kelsey's bike destiny, and yes, Kelsey, if you're listening, (laughs) we're using bike destiny. It took another unexpected turn because when she was about halfway through her PhD program in microbiology, her lab lost funding. And so she had to make a decision about whether to continue with academia or make a pivot. Then, of course, it left me like in the middle of the winter, like, oh, okay, I'm not in a PhD program anymore. When I was just standing there, I was like, well, I ride a bike and my friends have this messenger job. I'll just do that until I figure something else out. And then I got hired by Cut Cat's Courier, which is even more. You totally run basically the company with all these other people. And so that was really cool. And I met a lot of amazing people. And I was just working on a bike all day, even when that meant like, getting salt burns in the middle of the winter and working like 14-hour days in the snow. (laughs) In case you're wondering, like I as an ignorant Southerner was, what a salt burn is, it's when road salt lowers the temperature of ice and gives you this like horrific-sounding frostbite-type burn injury. So that's what Kelsey traded her microscope in for. How do you where? But I I can't even get words together in my mouth to describe how how hardcore that is. But one thing that jumps out to me in Kelsey's experience is one of our favorite mantras of "see it to be it." Mm -hmm. It was that experience that she talks about of seeing all of these women racing that changed everything, and that right there really sums up the bike as emancipation yeah but if bikes are supposedly such this like vehicle for emancipation this freedom ride for women what's the deal with the sexism that women like Allie, who was our listener with the email at the top of the show are still experiencing so next we are going to take a ride through all those hurdles and all of those rules that women have had to bend or break in order to claim their right to be on a bike in the street. That's right, folks. Up next in Unpack the Claptrap, we're talking about bicycle resting face, saddle panic, bifurcated garments, really all of the things that modern women deal with from day to day. So stay with us. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. One flattering attention they're used to on the road and pretend to ignore are the wolf whistles. If the flattery gets too enthusiastic, they can always show the boys a clean pair of wheels. 
That was a 1954 newsreel clip about the Pandora Ladies Racing Club. So Allie should probably call her grandmother because apparently she was getting wolf-whistled too. Oh, yeah. So to help us figure out why women like Allie and like Kelsey experience sexism related to riding their bikes, we're turning to our trusty segment, Unpack the Claptrap. Oh, it's about time. This is where we put on our feminist glasses and sift through piles of historical research and context to distill it all down and figure out why things are the way they are. Yeah, you and I, Caroline, are doing all the all the digging through all the historical research. We're now just covered in dust. Yeah, but we're de- delivering all the high points. Oh, yeah. And today, our research shows us that bicycling throughout time has brought some negative and sexualized attention to women. Newsflash. Uh, Mostly because it interferes with uh, three big rules, three societal expectations that, though they are unwritten, affect any woman out there today trying to get her ride on. And here they are. One, cycling is not feminine. Number two, straddling things is slutty. Duh. And number three... Catcalls are the price of admission. So let's start at number one. Okay. Stay in your feminine lane, ladies. Okay. Caroline, how how does one <laughs> such as myself wearing overalls and tennis shoes, like how do I even see my feminine lane? How do I stay in it? <laughs> oh, there's so many ways. There's so many ways, especially if you dig up, for instance, this 1895 issue of the New York World. They published 41 bicycling don'ts. For women. And, and it really did mainly focus on that whole femininity thing. It included stuff like, uh, don't imagine everyone's looking at you. Don't emulate your brother's attitude. And certainly don't ride in your brother's clothes. Well, well yeah. And, and then the big one, the number one don't, is don't cultivate a bicycle face. <laughs> Which... I legit had never heard of until we were researching for this episode. It's the original resting bitch face. Yes, but it's more like pointed and flush. So basically, there were these concerns that if you like strain too hard on a bike in the 19th century, docs were concerned that you'd end up looking super flushed and pale and you'd just be exhausted looking with dark circles. It just honestly sounds like me after a night of too much Pinot Grigio um, and that my jaw would just get like trapped in this clenched look. So TLDR, like, don't be ugly. Don't get that resting bike face, y'all. But also, uh, watch out for those bifurcated garments, girls. Well, this is uh, not dressing like your brother. Yeah. Right? Not yes. wearing his his knickerbockers and his pants. Pants. Yeah, do not wear bloomers. Bloomers were those, like, honestly, delightful-looking uh, soft pants that looked very voluminous, um, but they were still scandalous because they were pants. They were not a dress. Bloomers were super scandalous, and super conservative men and women alike saw bloomers as basically a sign that American womanhood was just on the brink of ruin. Oh, yeah. I mean, you have preachers in the pulpit railing against women in bloomers, saying that they were, like, possessed by Satan. Oh, yeah, that gem is from a particular Atlanta preacher, hometown. Okay, go figure. Represent. Who basically said that these despicable bicycle women had been possessed by Satan for coveting, quote, 
the prerogatives, honors, and pleasures of men. Ugh, how masculine. What does that even mean, the pleasures of men? Uh, I don't know, getting wild for bicycling. (laughs) Getting to wear pants and walking outside, I don't know. I guess so. I mean, this is about challenging roles, too. And part of that is rule number two. Straddling turns ladies into tramps. If you're going to spread your legs, gals, <laughs> the only thing you should be straddling is your husband's member in order to make a baby. <laughs> Not for pleasure, for procreation. That's it. I mean, people, seriously, people were freaked out about women or girls straddling anything. Well, but it led to some pretty amazingly unnecessary advancements and deviations of saddle design. Oh, do tell. Well, I mean, you you had the crotchless saddle, which I can't imagine how comfortable that would be. It's like literally the the outline of your bike saddle that you would have to sit on so that your your vulva, no matter how many layers of, of skirts and petticoats or whatever you had between you and the bike, like, ain't nothing getting near it. Because of the friction and vibration mm-hmm. that everyone was scared about. Well, I mean, there were just all of these fears that unless the woman was sitting like perfectly straight and had great posture and was sitting in just the right way, that she would be aroused. And of course, you can't have that. I mean, it was making its way into actual medical journals. These weren't just like people writing articles being worried about whether women were getting turned on. Actual <laughs> sciencey scientists were like, oh, if she tilts the saddle in the wrong way or the right way, am I right? She might, you know, experience some pleasure. Well, and that's the element of this this uh, straddle phobia happening, too, because there's the panic that it might happen, that women might accidentally orgasm, thus rendering men uh, irrelevant. Like that was that was a big fear. But also the suspicion that that's why women would ride bikes, (laughs) that unless the saddle was designed in such a way that we could not get off on it, (laughs) then we were going to do we were going to position ourselves in a way that we could. So for listener Allie, who is experiencing particularly sexualized attention on the bike, even though those bros are probably not aware of it, they're probably not like, whoa, look at those bifurcated garments. <laughs> I mean, I wonder if like maybe the male brain like sees a woman on a bike and just sees a woman riding a giant dildo. Maybe. But uh, we should note that it's not just about the bicycle. There was pedal panic to begin with. As part of all of these technological advancements happening in the Industrial Revolution. So right before we get this bicycle phobia, we have um, people freaking out over power-pedaled sewing machines. Like there were reports in the 1860s that the action of, I guess, women moving their legs up and down and causing that friction would lead to, and I quote, sensual madness. Well, I'm just trying to think like... Like your thighs rub together when you walk or if you cross your legs. But Slut. It, <laughs> but it was just the, it's just if I'm sewing. It's the vibration, mm. you know? So all that to say, women have been hypersexualized on bikes from the get-go. Yeah, I mean, immediate objectification and just assuming like your libido is going to be out of control if you're on a bike. And that leads us to rule number three. Cat calls are the price of admission for bicycling. 
And here's the thing. Catcalls had been the price of admission for women entering the public realm in general. How dare they leave their homes? <laughs> exactly. So by extension, of course, catcalling happens to women on bikes. But something really fascinating happens with the development of bicycling culture, which is that at the turn of the century, it was something that rich white dudes were all about. And we know what happens, Caroline, anytime <laughs> rich white dudes are super into something. <laughs> They make sure nobody else can enjoy it. Right. Right? They only want to have the nice things. And the way this went down with bikes is that you start having all of these exclusionary men's-only cycling clubs popping up. They even have their own magazines like Wheelman. And if you flip through these magazines, you see not only like racist comments making fun of people of color who dared to get on a bike, but also mocking women who got on bikes as mannish and simply just out of their lane, like we talked about. So this catcalling, yes, was already a price of admission for just being a woman in a public space. But with bicycling, it takes a really aggressive turn where it's not just wolf whistling at someone because you like how her ankles look in that new <laughs> new frock, but rather it's kind of a gender moving citation. You know, like if you're driving too fast, a cop will pull you over and give you a ticket. That's really how it was for women on bikes and catcalling. Like the rich white dudes who started this were pissed and catcalling was how they expressed that. Catcalling is that manifestation of the feeling, the hunch, or the knowledge that public spaces are for men. And that harassment, of course, would take a sexualized turn because you're already straddling that seat, you slut. Well, and what more threatening thing can you lob at a woman but a sexualized threat? Right. Because that immediately, like, telegraphs to her that she's in danger and that she needs to go elsewhere. Right, because they can just ride away. They've got the extra two-wheeled or however many wheels you might have power to be able to leave the situation. And so, like, that's at once sort of, like, liberating for the women who do get to leave a dangerous situation. But I think it also takes a little bit of the, I don't know, like, the social pressure to be a good human off of the men because it's like, well, I'm just going to yell at her and then she's just going to leave. Yeah, so no big deal. Yeah. Ladies, ladies, ladies. Ladies, just take the compliment and let me scream horrific things at you. Now, here's the thing. It's obvious why cycling, with all those lady-like rules it's breaking left and right, why that got Susan B. Anthony so excited. Like, what would she think if she could she could time travel and hear everything that we're saying and see the situation of, of women on bikes? I mean... I mean, on the one hand, I think she would be super jazzed to see that women like Allie are riding their bikes to work, that women like Kelsey not only learned how to ride a bike from women, but like learned how to be part of a racing community from women and then to turn around and make a living on that bike as well. That's pretty incredible. As a bike messenger. Yeah. But on the flip side... You know, I think she'd be pretty devastated or at least like super fed up to see that women are still enduring harassment and frankly, just like crazy, unrealistic expectations around the performance of femininity still. And we haven't even gotten to some of the worst stuff they're dealing with. We'll hear about that in just a minute. And warning, you'll never think about pajama pants in quite the same way again. 
Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So when we left off with Kelsey, she had discovered this whole new world of bicycling. Yeah, and a, an amazing community of, of rad women with beautiful bikes, as she said. And she decided to drop out of her PhD program. And this took her full time into bike careering. So we want to now pick up with Kelsey when her full time life on the bike starts to get really real. So, Caroline, something that I learned about the bike messengering world is that in their downtime, they love to do these competitions that are basically like giant obstacle courses for <laughs> bike messengers. I'm picturing Nickelodeon guts with bikes, and I know that's not accurate, but that's but what I'm going it's with. It's kind of like that. It's kind of like that, except, you know, more PBR. Right, <laughs> right. Like that. Totally. So Kelsey starts participating in these bike messenger competitions. She's great at them. She starts traveling around the world competing in them. And one year, she ends up in Australia. And just for fun, a bunch of folks rode all across the continent from Sydney to Melbourne. And I think there were about 80 riders doing it, but I think only about eight or 10 women were there. And one of the first nights we were camping, we kind of naturally all sat just around the campfire together and just shared, quote unquote, war stories. Do you remember if mm -hmm. there were any that especially resonated with you? One of the stories that really kind of hit hard um, for me, was one of my friends um, from Minneapolis. She had something yelled at her that was, like, so violating and so violent that, like, I think every it kind of, like, silenced everyone. And it was something where somebody yelled they were going to rape her dead corpse. And, like, so, like that was kind of one of those things where everyone was just, like, quiet because, like, who can even say something like that? Well, the thing is, Caroline men have been saying things like that since forever. I mean, forever as in as long as we've had bikes. And we found a piece of unfortunate historical proof. It's a photo from 1897, so around that same time that women were starting to ride bikes more. And it's a picture of a protest. It's this sepia-toned image of what looks like a town square just packed and packed with white dudes. And hanging above them is what looks like a woman on bloomers riding a bike. It's actually like a stuffed effigy of a woman, uh, but it's being hung by a noose out a second story window. 
And these guys were demonstrating, essentially like hanging a woman on a bike to protest Cambridge University opening its doors to women. Yeah, so we go beyond just the aggression toward a woman on a bike to these men's anger over the new woman in general who was daring to try to get an equal education. So that comment that stopped Kelsey and everyone around that fire that night in their track, there's nothing new here, even to the extreme of being told that you're going to have your dead corpse raped. Same misogyny, different century. If you kind of take a step back and think about how um, kind of not just dangerous, but like how kind of open you are, like out in the open to like all of these threats. And that sounds really like, like I'm just like making a huge deal out of it, but it's really, it can be really scary. And I think that really stuck with a lot of us because that was so messed up. Like you're, you like, it like crawls under your skin and like lives there. But like, I guess the point was that having that little circle of women around a campfire to talk about that stuff and have people be like, I totally understand what you're saying. This has happened to me. And then like sharing these stories made it, it took a weight off of at least my shoulders. So after the campfire moment, Kelsey goes back to the stage. She goes back to work as a bike messenger. It's biz as usual. Uh, except for the fact that after meeting all of these other cyclists, she's even more hyper aware of all of this harassment that's happening to her every day. What got really frustrating for a long time was just like getting to a delivery and being like having a dude like roll his eyes because like, oh, they sent a girl like, oh, God, or like taking the pen out of my hand and like dangling it away from me to like flirt with me and like say you can only get back if you give me your number. I I was getting to the point where I was getting really mad and like just so frustrated. The only way I could respond to those things was to scream and swear and like threaten them back. And then one day, Kelsey was making a delivery in Lakeview, which is this nice, quiet neighborhood in Chicago. And it was like Sunday morning and it was it was like really calm. And I made a delivery and I came back out to grab my bike and there was just some dude young walking his dog in his pajama pants. And he was like grabbing my bike and I kind of like grabbed it back from him. And then he like, he like laughed and tried to grab me and I like ripped away from him and I started swearing at him and he was just kind of laughing at me and like, and like still grabbing at me and calling me sweetie. And it was, it, (laughs) yeah. So in that moment I was, beyond mad like my eyes like rolled back in my head and I was screaming at him and he was just laughing and that's like the worst feeling in the world to like be so mad and so upset and have someone just laugh at you like is the worst feeling and I was like about I was like rage crying and I was like yelling at him and nobody was you know everyone's looking but they don't care I rode away because I was literally gonna punch him in the face and I was so (laughs) upset and I the things that you want to say come to you like 20 minutes later when you're mm-hmm. no longer like a fire breathing dragon. And when I got back to where I was going, my another female coworker of mine, we were talking about, it, I was like, I just wish I could say. And then I, I and then I said the things I wish I could have said. And that's when a light bulb went off in Kelsey's head. She was like, all right, I've got a friend who can make films. And she and her bicycle babes decided to make a PSA about it. And we kind of filmed exactly what we would say to the people 
like harassing us every day, what we wish we could tell them in that moment. Like if you could freeze time and like calm down for a second and then respond. Hey, I'd like to take you for a ride. Hey! What? The last thing I want to hear while I'm at work is some random piece of shit giving me unsolicited comments. I'm just trying to live here, man. What are you doing? You just harass people on the street? You've got bitch, you've got cunt, both of which you might use generously. We've got bastard, maybe. You just go up to any woman you feel like hollering at. So there's no words that I can use towards you that are going to make you feel the same way that you just made me. If you ran into that horrible guy in the pajama pants again, what? What would you say to him? Oh, God. Or not? Oh, God. That's so good. Oh, no. It would have to be something so pointed and sassy. Because, like, at the end of the day, like, I don't give a shit about that particular guy. It's like, it's the the rage was coming from, like, dudes in general that think that's okay. But that guy, like, are you going to wake up in the morning and, like, walk your dumb dog Sorry, the dog has nothing to do with it. The dog is not dumb. (laughs) And you're going to, like, be in your pajama pants and, like, grab some girl. Like, I want to be like, just go about your Sunday. I'll go about mine. You're not cute. Like, fuck off, basically. And put on some damn pants. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. If you can go outside and harass people, wear some pants. (laughs) And where are you hoping to go now, bike-wise? Bike-wise, I'm still, like, my messenger friends are literally my family. It's not just about bikes. It's about, like, just the people I get to see all the time. So I think my bike destiny, uh, if you will, is just that I want to keep racing and falling down mountains and stuff, but also just, like, continuing to meet rad, amazing women, like, from all over the place and getting to develop those relationships and those bonds because they help me outside of bikes in ways that they probably don't even know. And I just have one more question about Mm -hmm. one last rad woman. We started off um, talking about your mom Mm -hmm. and what does your mom think about what cycling has become for you? (laughs) She always jokes like, she's like, man, I did this. Like, cause I think she always worries. Like I come home with like broken fingers or a broken hand, but I think that she knows how happy it makes me. And she sees how confident it's made me. I think it's definitely affected me outside of just racing bikes. It's definitely made me as a, as a woman, a lot more on my feet, like in your face if I have to be. And I don't think I take a lot of shit from a lot of people anymore. And it's not just because of bikes, but I also think it's like just made me very comfortable with who I am and smart enough to know what things not to jump off of. Yeah. Broken bones for a good cause, right? Yeah. (laughs) My memoirs. <laughs> yes, Kelsey. I would totally read those memoirs. Uh, but going back to that PSA for a second, wow. I mean, those women are badasses. I feel like that's every woman's dream to be able to shout back at her cat callers. It's so cool. And I also feel like Allie needs to not only watch that PSA, but also channel it on her morning commute. <laughs> totally. And you know, Caroline, one thing I realized in listening to Kelsey's story is just how universal that feeling is, that like creepy, crawly feeling you get from any kind of catcalling or street harassment. And I think that 
I expected someone who's so legitimately, like, physically tough like Kelsey, who's, like, breaking bones and getting salt burns, Mm -hmm. that it would just roll off her back, you know, that she just wouldn't care about it. Yeah, but she really was affected by it. So I think the message that I have for Allie and that I have for our listeners and anyone else who has to go outside ever, (laughs) just ever, (laughs) is that it's not your fault. And it honestly, like, it has nothing to do with you. And it has everything to do with this set, this bike basket full of norms and expectations And to our question of, like, why is this even happening? Like, what about Susan B. Anthony's dreams? (laughs) Um, The answer is that, like, for some reason, we often forget that women today live with both freedoms and discriminations, with both privileges and microaggressions. And it seems like we only can see like one or the other. This is good or bad. This is liberating or horrible. Yeah. So Allie, we hope these stories in this context have made you feel not less enraged because we are all about the rage here at Unladylike, but we hope that the history has given you at least some understanding of why this is happening, why you're being treated this way on your bike. And we hope that it also gives you ideas about how to clap back even if it is just telling your friends what you wish you could have said to those dudes. Well, so listeners, did this ring a bell for you? Oh, Caroline, I love that pun. I know you do. I did it for you. Thank you. We we want your unladylike issues, questions, dilemmas, queries, conundrums, and any comebacks you'd like to reclaim. Oh my god, I have to hear. I bet I bet listeners have some amazing street harassment clapbacks. Send them our way. Please. We want to hear your voices. We want to hear the aggression. And we've got a hotline for you. You can submit your comeback by calling 2628 gal pal and leaving us a message. Again, that's 2628 G A L P A L. And listen, don't hold back, y'all. Seriously, we are going to take all the great comebacks that y'all send us and do something special with them. And if you need a little inspiration, it's super easy. Just go to our website, unladylike.co, and check out that full PSA video. Kelsey herself is no longer a bike messenger, but she did help found the Women's Bike Messenger Association, which is now the Star Bike Messenger Association, who was behind the PSA. We'll throw up a link to their page, too. Y'all have left us the nicest reviews on Apple Podcasts, and we heart y'all for it so, so much. And we would graciously like to ask you to keep them coming. Rating and reviewing helps people find our show. Totally. And you can also follow us on all the socials at Unladylike Media. And sign up for our newsletter, too, for good measure, uh, so you can get some good news about women all around the world. And hey, if you want to hear Unladylike ad-free and get exclusive bonus content, sign up for Stitcher Premium. Use promo code UNLADYLIKE to try it for free for 30 days at stitcher.com slash premium. Claire Rawlinson produced this episode of Unladylike. Abigail Keel is our senior producer. Mixing and sound design is by Casey Holford. Julie Subrin is our editor. Our music is by Flamingo Shadow, Amit May Cohen, and Sarah Tudson. 
Special thanks to Greta Johnson, Laura Mayer, and Jenny Radelet. And we are your hosts. I'm Kristen Conger. I'm Caroline Irvin. And next week on Unladylike, we're getting real about body positivity with the amazing Jessamine Stanley. Is it brave to, like, be fat and naked on the internet? Like, how am I brave? <laughs> So make sure you subscribe to our show in your favorite podcast app so you don't miss it. And remember, got a problem? Get on Ladylike. And remember, got a problem? Get on Ladylike. <laughs> Take off your underwear in public. <laughs> Tell a stranger about your STD. We don't wear pants. Stitcher. <laughs>